Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, uh, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me as as mostly, mostly usually, is uh, Eric Bime for... Uh, you, you you did you did uh you, you got yourself a nice little little thing in uh, NBA I saw cuz I was going to start off this podcast by like by asking I'm requesting Eric that you start losing so I could win again. Well, I did that I I did that the last 2 days. So hopefully uh, No, you did that. You, you did I mean you did that for a pre- predominant amount of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. I mean so I mean if you go back this is the 58th episode. I know you've been gone for a bunch and had some, uh, you know, interviews or whatever. But most of the time, most of the time, this podcast is, is, is you coming in saying uh, I lost ninety percent or more, and me saying oh, I had a small profit. Oh, I was this and there, and then having wins here and there, and then and then like maybe two or three times a year, you're like, yeah, well, uh, well, in the two or three times a year, I've made more than you have the entire year, <laughs> and that that's kind of the dichotomy of this podcast. So a lot, a lot, I know a lot of people. In the YouTube comment section in the past, it's like, why am I listening to Eric? He loses every week. It's like, well, because you're you're playing for two or three weeks a year that you win big. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much the same way, but with you know me playing multiple types of contests, I'm more likely to oh have a small profit here, have something there. Oh, I won five grand in soccer. Oh, I did you know this in MMA or whatever. And you're kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna play like one contest, one lineup in NBA and NFL and. If it works out, I get a lot of money. If it doesn't, just move on to the next slide. Exactly. And uh, we do have, like, college basketball starting tonight, and that's one I've mentioned before. Like, those are, like, my guilty pleasures, like college football and college basketball. I just It's like your soccer, right? I'm never going to make life-changing money doing that, but I just, I just enjoy it. And that is a little bit more of kind of, like you said, uh, just kind of riding a little bit more in the, in the middle. But then, like, NFL and NBA, yeah, that's – I think it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, you know, and I don't, I don't expect that everybody is watching every single episode like of, of this. Right. So I can, I can totally appreciate, you know, the, coming in for two straight months or whatever on, on Mondays and being like, yep, you know, got destroyed yesterday in NFL or like, I think it was, yeah, one winning, I had one winning week in the first seven weeks or something like that, you know, and it's like in tournaments and it's like, it's hard. I think sometimes it's hard. People are so, um attached to what just happened and short-term results and all that kind of stuff and it's really hard to like detach yourself from that i talk a lot about it in like you know like like the season-long fantasy football and best ball and and even it it applies to like dfs too it's like you know every week we have a new guy that's like oh my god this look at this look at mike williams mike williams mike williams is the new michael thomas right like oh we got a jam 8k mike williams and like well, now look, I mean, Michael Williams isn't really like doing it, hasn't done anything for, for a month. And like that same kind of thing applies to like the DFS results. People would just want to be like, and that's why the screenshot stuff is like, you know, powerful, I guess, on, on Twitter and whatnot, because people, oh, look at that. He's good. Look at that. He won. And then like you don't win for two months or whatever. People are like, is he really very good? Did he just get lucky or whatever? And so I, I do think it's like a, a difficult thing to kind of, uh you know for a lot of people to like wrap their head around that like literally what you described is basically my strategy and how i've lived my life for like four or five years it's like you just but it's, really, it's the same really for used- me but i mean it's the same for me it's just that i'm playing a lot more slates a lot more lineups i, I have a lot yeah. more opportunity 
to get smaller profits more often or smaller losses. Like this past this yep. past week, like you'll be you'll you'll be proud of me this past week. Uh so the week before, I played 22 lineups. Zero cashed. Okay, right? <laughs> uh this this week I played 24 lineups, one cashed. It was it was it, it was <laughs> it, it was my it was my one Nick Chubb lineup. It was my one my oh, one Nick go. Chubb lineup got me there. Uh uh no, but maybe you'll be proud of me. I di- I didn't play I didn't play cash games on DraftKings. Me either. Look at us. We're growing. Right. We're well, growing. I don't know if you consider that growing, but but the thing is is that that okay, so I played 24 lineups. I played like all the power sweeps, the spies. Mm-hmm. I played three lineups into the wildcat. Uh you know, to make up so so I'm playing playing in two two twenty five hundred dollars or so worth of lineups. Yeah. Now I played FanDuel Cash because yep. I can't concentrate on two sites at once. So it's like I could play, and also I'm playing a lot of the one dollar two dollar because you know, I'm still I'm not limited there. Uh, so I made a little money back on I made a small profit on FanDuel. Uh, but the difference is is that like I cash one out of twenty four lineups out of twenty five hundred. I, I mean I cashed it for like a hundred bucks. I mean like. Like I lost like 90 per, 90 95% of my money on on DraftKings but like I like the the I wasn't upset like my expectation is like well I'm playing for first and whatever and uh well I'm not playing uh we'll talk about Marquise Brown like you know, I'm just I'm not playing way over own Marquise Brown for some odd reason uh and yeah. he gets there in overtime and just like like yeah my the the, the two main games that I targeted uh, with the two games where both teams didn't even hit the combined team total of one of the teams, uh, <laughs> yep. and and it's just like I'm I'm fine accepting that, but it's it to me it was so much more it was easy uh, easier mentally I, I think that's a better way of putting it easier mentally to just like I went into Sunday morning I didn't care about the cash construction I didn't care like I knew I knew what like cash constructions there could be, but I'm not sweating yeah. some 2v2 decision that's going to make the difference of $10,000 in cash volume, yeah. right? I'm not sweating, do I, pl- do I play, do I play Chubb in cash? Do I, pl- do, do I, who do I play out of these 5k receivers? Do I play Landry? Do I play Higgins? Do I play Tony? Do I play yep. Cooper? I go, I'll go to Albert O. I play the Chiefs defense. Do I play the 49ers defense instead on the 2v2? Do I play Lamar mm-hmm. in cash? Yes, you're probably playing Lamar in cash. But do you play Eckler? Do you play Elliott? Do you go up twice? Do you play Tyreek Hill? Like, And you look at these lineups, and they're all within one point of each other. And it's like, <laughs> right. well, the difference of some 2v2 or 3v3 that is completely viable, that is most likely going to be duped in double-ups. I'm going to be on one of these trains and one of the trains is going to win and one of the trains ain't going to win and it's going to be the difference of whether or not I make I make 6000 or lose 8000 and it's like what if I just take that out and just like I, I don't even have to worry about that whatsoever and just focus on like well I don't mind playing Cortland Sutton right like it's just like I'm 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 playing this I'm playing this the Broncos Cowboys game right I'm playing Dak I'm playing Teddy Bridgewater in yep. this game, and I'm I'm pairing like okay, Bridgewater, Sutton, Alberto, Bridgewater, Judy, Alberto, Bri- yep. uh, Dak, Cooper, Schultz with Cortland Sutton as the bringback or something to get leverage mm-hmm. off of Alberto with the tight end position and Amari Cooper this way off of Zeke Elliott who is chalk. So like, and these lineups all project well. I mean, it's like like I'm not playing lineups yep. that that like I look at Cortland Sutton's projection is like 
two points lower than like like Marquise Brown. And I'm like, I have Marquise Brown at 18% ownership, which he, he came out way low higher than that. Way. But I had him at 18 and over-owned, and I had Sutton at like 6%, and he came in at 4 So I'm like, for the range of outcomes, should one guy be three times more owned? And Sutton's obviously in the game that I'm targeting. Judy's under 10%. So, like, I look, I'm just focused on that. I'm not focused on, like, should I be playing Amari Cooper in cash over Jarvis Landry in order to go up to the 49ers defense or something? Like, I just, who cares about any of that, right? FanDuel, I pretty yep. much press press a button to pretty much play. And I go, okay, I need to choose between one of these three lineups, right? <laughs> and that's, and I choose, okay, I'm going to choose this one. And there you go, I'm done. Uh, so, like, from a mental uh, state, I, I lost the same amount of money. I mean, I lost le- I lost in GPPs. I lost the same amount of money. Right, but less but, overall. But less overall. I mean, I could have obviously I could have won in cash, right? If I won in cash, I probably would have made six grand, would have made up for you know twenty five hundred dollars worth of GPP losses, and it'd be like okay, that's fine. But you know, when you lose cash and GPP, it's like well, that's a twelve thousand dollar loss day. I'm like, yeah. Like, do I want to deal with that when like what's the upside on these cash games when I'm just joining trains in these double ups? And yes, I can play head to heads, but it's not the first month of the season anymore. I mean, the, you see the the lobbies are getting smaller and sharper, mm-hmm. and people aren't people are going broke, right? So, uh, so cashing one out of twenty four, like I'm just like okay, move on to next. I mean, just like. I just move on to next. Once Nick Chubb has the you know the six seventy yard touchdown, I like, like I think I I think I may have him in one or two lineups, and I check I got him <laughs> in one lineup. It's like okay, but I got him in the lineup with the fucking Dak Prescott and the Cowboys putting up nothing, and so it's like okay, whatever, and like, but mentally I'm able I'm able to accept that. I mean I've been doing that in NBA also. Yep. Like I've been just like I'm gonna I'm gonna play I'm gonna play ten lineups twenty lineups. Right type of thing. I don't care about the cash. I don't care about the cash construction. I, I see who. Yes, I see who projects well. I see most, most, most. Who's going? What out of out, out of the eight people you could roster? I know like the fourteen guys that you should have in cash games. Right. Just depending on what construction of those fourteen you do, and depending on that construction determines whether or not you win or lose. Essentially. Uh, <laughs> but then I don't have to worry about that. I could just like like you know on yesterday's slate. I didn't play yesterday's slate. Uh, cause I was, uh, at Monday night raw, uh, for, for wrestling and, uh, like, like Drummond was chalk. And then like all these Sixers value was like, like, dude, I was like, I've no problem just Xing out all these Sixers except for Drummond and then playing yeah. other like $4,200 guys instead of playing shake Milton or Furkin Korkmaz or, but in cash, you don't do that. In cash, you don't think that way. Cash, you just like, cash, you think the opposite. It's like, why don't I just jam in all the Sixers and not have to worry about it type of thing. Mm-hmm. But like. But this is more, I'm describing more of what you go through on a day-to-day where it's just like, um, like yesterday's NFL, I'm assuming you didn't do well. No, God, no. Okay. So, so it's about the same as me, but like, you, but you're doing even less lineups than me. You're doing mm-hmm. one to three lineups and you're saying, you're like, I'm betting on this. And if it doesn't come in, then I just close my laptop and wait till next week. And that's it. Yeah. I played three Teddy teams. Oh, all three of the Teddy teams. Uh, 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 three Teddy teams. So I, I focused in really tightly on the – so I, th- I actually thought it was kind of an uh, – uh, talked about on Sunday morning, like a fairly wide open slate. But I thought that then outside basically of 
um, the Lamar thing and what, like you said, we'll, we'll get to the Hollywood. This feels like a, yeah, it's deja vu every week of just replace a new wide receiver with, with whoever this but, guy but the, is. The, 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 I, I don't think this is similar. I said this on the pregame show for, for mm-hmm. Pitt, Pittman the week before. Pittman was a cash play. I mean, Pittman, I understood, yeah. like, at his price for the context of that slate. There, there were, mm-hmm. like, four other guys in that range, and I, I ranked Pittman, like, fourth or fifth out of that, but it was in – but no, no chance in, in anywhere where – Marquise Brown, we go to the double up ownership. Like Marquise Brown wasn't played in cash games. I mean, like, no, it wasn't that type of situation where it's like someone gets steamed up because they're viable in cash games. I, I mean, I thought he was overowned at eighteen percent. So like, I, I and and I thought Lamar Jackson was overowned at sixteen percent. Like when when I when the cards flipped over at one o'clock and I saw Lamar Jackson like in the spy. For instance, or the power sweep. I'm looking at the spy. The spy is a single entry contest, right? 100K to first. Lamar was mm-hmm. 29% owned and Marquise Brown was 36% owned. When I look at that, I just, I look at all my lineups with like the other guys in that range. Like, and I have them sprinkled everywhere. Hingins, Landry, Cooper, Tony. And obviously I got Judy and Sutton in there. I got Waddle in yep. there. I got, you know, yep. I take a look at the Austin. I took a look at the Ezekiel Elliott ownership. You know, he's coming in at like 25%. So I was like, okay, the running backs are going to be as as expected. But Nick Chubb came in in the spy at 25%. And I had him yep. at like 22. So I'm like, I look at my lineups and I go, like, I'm like, I, what, am, what am I changing? Like, I, per, like I faded Lamar, the Lamar stacks purposely because I thought that at what, what I projected was overall. <laughs> Right, yeah. so then I, then I'm I'm going to play Josh <clears throat> Allen. I'm going to play Dak Prescott. I'm playing Derek Carr. I'm playing Jacoby Brissett, Dolphin stacks. I'm playing Teddy Bridgewater the other side of that the Cowboys game, and I'm going. I I look at my ownership and I'm like, I I I I love my ownership. Like I think I made the right decision, which I still do think I made the right decision. If I would have known that Lamar Jackson and and Marquise Brown were going to be thirty plus percent owned, like. It makes it even easier. Just like, okay, now I'm, I, I, I know I'm not going to have, I'm just, if it beats me, it beats me, whatever. And, yep. uh, and it beat me. <laughs> yeah, badly. Yes. Very badly. It, it, it beat me, but same th- I, I feel the exact same way. I, I went in with, um, kind of a, a plan, a plan of attack when, like you said, we always talk about when you flipped over the cards, I felt, I actually felt even better. I was, I would, I used, um, I used some Amari. And uh, I was a little, I was legitimately worried about him because I was playing Albert O um, as part of my stacks. And then I'm like, you know, I, I'm obviously weighing all this like cumulative ownership. I'm weighing all the leverage across my teams. And, I, and you know, I'm thinking through exactly like you said, you know, that, okay, we have the Zeke thing, uh, but, I'm, uh, you know, all week it's like, you know, every, every single, I, you couldn't listen to a show or whatever. And people didn't say, oh, DraftKings just really screwed up making Amari Cooper 5,700. So that's like stuck in my head. And, and I, I, I felt like I was leveraged enough. So I did play him some. And so, uh, but like when we flipped over the cards, I'm like, I think in the, I think in the, the 4k Amari was like 15% at 5,700. And like you said, and, and Hollywood's double, double that. So I was like, and like, like Judy's fine, Sutton's fine, um, and then I had like some some 
late late game stuff set up in some other spots. I played uh, I played uh, Devonte Booker in the Giants defense. That was a kind of a stand I wanted to to take as well. And I kind of rotated around some of this stuff. And like, I don't know. I feel like it. It, it, it you know we, we show up some some weeks. We show up and I'm like, yeah, I, you know, either I didn't feel comfortable or I made this mistake or or I could have done this differently. And I feel like. I don't know. I, I, like like you said, I, I feel like I played fine. You know, did I play perfect? No, you you probably never played perfect. But like, did I play fine? Yeah. And and you know, if you wanted to say, right, like the the week that I had a good week in the NFL, it's like if you like I played that Pittman chalk, right? I played Pittman, AJ Brown, and I, I played. I think Henderson was chalky that week. And if you wanted to say like to me, like, well, I ate the Lamar and Hollywood chalk, but I did this, you're like. I get it. I get it. That's fine. But to there was me, no the, was the problem loop. with this slate. There was no this. There was no there was right, that, there that, was to no me this. everything there was, no was other leverage. Right. There was all everything was so spread out yeah. that I I take a look at at take a look at the <laughs> projected ownership and I see everything spread out. I see like that like there's no one that's like other than paying up at running back. Yeah, I saw Eckler, Elliott, and Chubb, and Chubb wasn't that much of a pay up option, but he was still pay up. Yep. And I'm like, I want to pay down at running back. Same. Uh, which led me to playing a lot of Booker and Jacobs in that yep. game, and also led me to play a lot of Chase Edmonds. <laughs> right. So yeah. right. So that uh, what what am I supposed to do there? Like that's why I say I yeah. take a look. I take a look at forty percent of my liners with Chase Edmonds. With point three, him getting injured on the first play, going like, like what? Am, what? Like, do I ever play James Conner there? I mean, what? What? What do I do? I mean, it's just it happens, right? And then Conner goes for forty, right? But I'm <laughs> it's even but, just needling. Yeah, but I don't care at that point. Like, I'm dead anyway. I know. So, but yeah, but like from a process pers- pers- uh, pers- uh, pers- uh, perspective, like Edmonds is like eight, seven, eight percent owned. Right, yeah. and I'm paying down at running. I'm paying down a lot of times at running, at least one of the running back spots. Yep, and I'm playing more like Stefan Diggs. I'm playing yeah, more same. Buffalo. I'm playing more, not paying down a quarterback. Right, I'm 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 playing for Darren Waller at tight end, off of Albert O, and going the other direction, like playing mm-hmm. a lot of Booker Waller lineups. Playing Carr Renfro Waller Booker type of yeah. lineups, and I look through. I look through all, when when the the uh, the ownership is all spread out. Really, it's a matter of who's going to be. I want to play the guys that are going to be lesser owned, even though the lesser ownership it may only be a five or seven five to seven percent difference. Yeah. All right. So I take a look at at ownership. I in the let's see. I I have a. In the Millie, for instance, like if we just judge it by that, uh, which should be more spread out than in obviously smaller field contests. If I take a look at like the wide receiver position for the Millie, uh, in that in that the mid range, so we have Tyreek Hill at nineteen percent, we have Stefan Diggs at sixteen percent. So these are higher end wide receivers, right? We have uh, Keenan Allen at six percent. Justin Jefferson at seven percent, and this is in the milli because they were a little bit more owned in the in the smaller field stuff, higher stake stuff. But in that mid range, Amari Cooper sixteen, Renfro twenty, T 
T. Higgins, 12. Landry, 14. Rondell Moore, 8. Kadarius Toney, 11. Brandon Cooks, 21, which caught me by surprise. Uh, Jalen Waddell, 14. Jamar Chase, which was a high-end receiver at 16 in the Millie. And I knew because of recency bias that was going to happen. He was going to be lower-owned in the in the like the power suite type of stuff. Yep. Jerry Judy, 9. You know, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, 12. Cortland Sutton, 4. So I take a look at all of that and I go, like, Cole Beasley, 6. Right? I'm like, why? Yep. Like, should I, I should be playing combinations of these guys and... I don't need to care about like leverage. There's just so many in this range that like, uh, just let me play three of them. And which one is going to be the one that's, uh, which were the ones that are going to be the most, o- the overowned in comparison. And I thought, right. I thought it was Marquise Brown and Tyree Kill. Out, out of the, in GPP only because people, because Lamar was going to be so popular that someone wants to, if people are going to play Albert O, a cheap tight end and exactly. not Mark Andrews. So, who are they going to pair Lamar with? They're going to pair him with Marquise Brown. Now, it, I didn't think he'd get up to these levels. <laughs> yeah. But in, in that type of situation, it's like I'm not looking for leverage plays. I'm just looking for construction, construction yep, leverage. Exactly. So it's like I'm not building, like I'm still playing most of these types of guys. Just not in a construction. I have Chase Edmonds at 8% in this lineup. And I have uh, uh, Jerry Judy in this lineup. To go to, and when I have Zeke Elliott in the lineup, I have Broncos. I don't have Albert O. I have Jerry Judy instead, and I have Booker, mm-hmm. and then I have Waller in the tight end spot. So it's like, and then I just plug in the best. Then you just plug in the best plays at that right at exactly. that point because there's no leverage to be like they're all similarly owned. You go down to like the guys that are like two percent owned, yeah, because they're bad plays because they're they literally because they project poorly. <laughs> Right? Yeah, like, there's a hundred guys that project well. The guy that's two percent is probably a shitty play because there's so many other guys that project well. Right. And then I just take a look at this and we had a you know a unique week in the NFL where like no one did well. Like just like it was it was it was just like ninety percent landmines. And as long yeah. as you as basically as long as you avoided landmines and had James Cotter, you could have won or Dick Chubb. Like you probably didn't Chubb. need James Cotter yeah. in some of the really small field stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, if you didn't get to the exact right pieces, like if you did not have Nick Chubb in your running back spot, you could not win. A lot of times yep. in the higher scoring slates, you you would need you would say, well, Nick Chubb is thirty three, but I I my two running backs combined for sixty as it is, so like screw it, it didn't yep. have to be Nick Chubb. But right, when, when, when the Bills and the I Cowboys can't and... get there, you know, like then what what yep. am I supposed? Then what are you supposed to do? So like. Like from a strategic perspective, I don't see how I do anything there. I don't see how anyone. The the weird thing is, it's not just me. I don't see how anyone does anything differently. Yeah, exactly. You know, unless you and, and I, I think I was gonna say exa- exactly what you said. It's important. All that context that you kind of just outlined is important when, like, why we have these weekly conversations is because you know when you have. The discussions around like again comparing like the Pittman thing to this Hollywood and and Lamar thing it's like on that slate we had like a million percent owned Dan Arnold to leverage I guess you could say you had Alberto to leverage but he wasn't really that he, had, but he wasn't that chalky I, I could I could not believe his ownership either I, I I was going in I'm like I'm eating some of this the same thing as a, like a much different kind of version of Amari I was like okay I think you know 
I think the way I constructed these teams, it's totally fine to play Amari here, or it's totally fine to play Alberto. And then I went in, Alberto was like 30% in the the 4K. I was like, I figured this is like the you know 70% owned spot or something. Right like in that. the spot in the hundred K spot, he was 25% owned, which is like crazy. I, I I really didn't expect that either. So yeah, I was so again like we flipped over the cards, and I felt I felt totally totally fine, and it's because. There, like you said, there, there wasn't, there wasn't DeAndre Swift, right? Well, Jamal Williams is out. The next thing you know, DeAndre Swift in smaller fields is 50, 60, 70% owned in some of these, in some of these contests. And it's like, okay, you fade DeAndre Swift and you fade whatever, Dan Arnold. It's like, it doesn't really matter. Just play, you know, just like you said, I did this, I did that. I faded, you know, I played the, the Waller Booker thing. And then I played Teddy Judy and it's like, and, and then it's like, okay, play Zeke and play, you know, whoever. And, and it's fine. And so I thought that this this was like you said this like the, oh, I expected coming in it to be kind of kind of flat and I was a little worried about a couple of guys that I that I was you know considering playing and then it ended up being like you said why I wouldn't change anything why a lot of people wouldn't change anything it ended up being way even more beneficial to the decisions that I made I thought I was eating more Amari chalk than I was I thought I was eating more Albert O chalk than I than I was you know I I I thought, like you said, I also thought Hollywood, given the context of the slate, was going to be overowned. I thought Lamar was going to be overowned, and then obviously that stack, which in turn made. I'm, again, I talked about on Sunday morning. I'm like, if you're going to play that, like, I would like to play Justin Jefferson because I'm not sure that Justin Jefferson can can get steamed, and he kind of got. No, he was 18 percent <laughs> owned in the game changer. Like that's crazy. Like the, uh, I, I liked him, right? Obviously, I, I talked about it. Who doesn't like Justin Jefferson? He makes a natural high upside bring back. But like eighteen percent. Yeah, but like the only reason he's eighteen percent like, is because Marcus Brown is thirty three percent. I mean, like it all comes it, together. Exactly. That's why. That's why you have to figure this ownership goes hand in hand with one another. Like I mm-hmm. knew that Marquise Brown was going to be chalky, not to this extent, but I also knew right. that Justin Jefferson, we, we have, we have projections around the industry putting Justin Jefferson at like 5% ownership. And I go, this is wrong. Like, I, I know this because like Marquise Brown, I've projected for 18. I have Lamar at 16. And, and I think those are under, right? So I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar comes in at close to 20 and Marquise Brown comes closer to 22. And yeah, obviously, the, the only way they could go was up. They, they couldn't. They were not. They gonna were going to go down. But you're they're... you're bringing Vikings with them. Like you're like all these Vikings are going with them. So, like what what other way in that game? Like you're you're play you're playing like I did. It was one of those games where obviously it's not the highest total game. I mean, like we had the Cowboys, we had the Bills, we had we had other spots to target, and a bunch yeah. right but the baltimore minnesota game was the easiest game to find to put the pieces together right because yeah. it's like oh who do i play yes. if i don't want to pay up a tight end lamar brown jefferson like you're done maybe you play dalvin cook instead of justin jefferson and and you're done like but in the cowboys game there you know you could have played cd lamb you could play dalton schultz there are three broncos team, receivers yeah. none of them being tim patrick yeah. that i had of course i see tim patrick <laughs> going off Go, he's the one guy I don't have. And and then same for the Bills game. Like, you go, like, well, there are multiple combinations of Dig, Beasley, and Sanders. You can always throw in Tommy Sweeney as a punt play in the tight end mm-hmm. if everyone's playing Albert O. So there's a lot more combinations there. Then what do you do yeah. on a bring back for the, the, uh, for the Jaguars? Probably no one, 
right? I played some Dan Arnold as a bring back. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in, in those lineups. But, like, it was just so much clearer of, like, Lamar, Brown, Jefferson. And on any other slate, other games would have put up as many points also, and it would have been a hodgepodge of stuff. It just so happened that, yeah. that there were more games that failed than succeeded. So I don't even consider, if you, if you took a look at that Baltimore-Minnesota game, like Justin Jefferson only had 17 points. I mean, Marquise Brown got there in overtime and 23 points. And on other weeks, Marquise Brown would have 23 points and still only be the eighth highest scoring wide receiver on the slate. Yeah, we wouldn't care. We would, we, like, we, we would have been like, oh, he sucked out and people got there. But you, you wouldn't care because that's not a GPP winning score, not a 6K plus. Right, or right. Or no, it could be in a GPP winning lineup, but it right. wouldn't be, it would be like, well, I you have Marquise Brown and I have Cortland Sutton with, 28 points or I, mm-hmm. I, I have uh, Stefan Diggs with 30 points or Tyreek Hill has 36 and, and I just needed a cheap receiver or something. It's just like, like, no, those, th- that, those were the guys that weren't the landmines. And of course the guys that weren't the landmines were the ones that were over, like the ones that I were objectively over. Like <laughs> I, I don't win on, I just don't win on these weeks. Like it just did like, there's no other way to go. Like this winning lineup in the game changer has AJ Dillon. In the running back spot. I mean, like, like you took a look at the Millie lineup and it's like, it's like Zach Moss and so, like, it's, it's like, you don't, it's James Conner, obviously, Nick yeah, Chubb, and Chubb. And then you just needed Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert because they put up way more points at the quarterback position than anyone else. Cause all the games sucked. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's just like, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just never going to get to the, I'm just never going to get there. Right. And then a, mm-hmm. a lot of people, yeah, you have to look for for some of these winning lineups. Is that uh, like so, someone commented about like, oh, the winning lineup was like like Herbert and no run, like Devonta Smith went off, but there wasn't a run back. But if you take a look at the dude's uh, exposures, he had a ton of Devonta Smith. It just didn't happen to be <laughs> in that lineup. That's so like, I, so I look from a strategy perspective. That's why I like studying the one hundred and fifty max type players because you start seeing roster construction types. And it's like, like, oh, well, this guy won with Connor. What did he see in Connor? He didn't see anything in Connor. He actually had 38% Chase Edmonds, right? <laughs> the dude had 40% of, no, he was targeting the Cardinals running back situation. And it's quite possible he had 50% Chase Edmonds and then decided to swap at his good lineups to say, well, I'm just going to hedge some of these yep. Chase Edmonds with James Connor because they're about the same price. And go into the late game. So it's like that it's the main reason why I don't like studying like the winning lineup. Like yeah. the winning lineup, who the hell knows? You don't have the information that you have in front of you. And then if the winning lineup is like a, a max entry type player, like no, I want to see his exposures because there's tons. You know, you know how many times you know you do well, like in back in, in multi-entry, not Liu, because you're playing one to three lineups. That you're under uh, like you're um like in 150, oh, yeah. like maybe I have maybe I have five Lamar Jackson teams with Marquise Brown and Justin Jefferson and some contrarian plays, which is still viable, right? And that's the one that wins. And people are like, well, why were you on such chalky? Like, no, look at my spot. I barely had him. I barely had anyone, right? I like this lineup consists of Jackson, Chubb, Jefferson, Marquise Brown. It's like I'm not. Like, I'm not playing these. And the Chiefs defense at 36% though, like, I've been just like, <laughs> like, I just don't get there. I'm sorry. I just, I, it, like, I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I, the, the only reason I, I lose 
like all my entries is because both the games that that could have been the other games failed. Like not either miserably. of them. And miserably, absolutely miserably failed. I was telling people it felt exactly like uh, the Cowboys game specifically felt exactly like Chiefs Titans. Like the the you know you're just waiting the whole game. You're like holy shit, this is it, right? Like. The, the, you're worried about the Broncos putting up a big score when you're going into the game. <laughs> you're like the same thing. You're, I wasn't really like, I don't, I don't know about worried, right? But that's the thing. Like, how does this fail? Okay, the Cowboys win 27-13 or something like that, right? Like the Broncos score like 30 points. Like just they cannot be stopped. And you're just like, all right, well, this is the 50 passing attempt Dak game. And the Cowboys are just going to go nuts in the second half. You just, and you just keep waiting. And they go three and out. And then they block a punt. And then they, <laughs> the guy touches it, and I didn't. That, that that rule makes no sense to me. But then the Broncos get the ball back, and then you know they just keep running and running, and it was just like you just keep waiting for that to happen. I'm I'm watching yeah. red zone going. I, it felt like the the Cowboys never had the ball. <laughs> they didn't. It was missing. It was because every time they got it, they went they, they would go three and out, and then the Broncos would have a ten play drive and go score a touchdown. And then of course, just it was a real it, it was kind of kind of funny. And, and to your very original point. Like it was over. I didn't care. I didn't. I didn't really care about the Sunday night game. I actually played NBA and had a made a made a decent NBA like made a decent NBA team and watched watched some NBA uh, on on Sunday night and moved on. And I didn't really like you said. I didn't really care. Felt like I played well. Lost in tournaments. That's just kind of you know it is what it is. It's basically the expectation um, going in. But like now I don't even remember what I, what I was what I was gonna say. But like you you have these games where like that was basically everything i could have dreamed of it playing out right like right you were more concerned like in that game truthfully in that game playing that stack that way especially i mean you're playing the bridgewater side which i am also i mean i'm playing some lineups like that but i'm playing more of the deck side the concern in the game is not what to me wasn't the cowboys it was the broncos it's like am i going to get enough points out of guys like judy sutton you know, yep. Albert, I don't care about because he's chalky and he's in the tight end yep. spot. So if he gives me but nine points, who, right? It it just are, are the Broncos going to do enough that I'm I end up with lineups that it's like that. You know, I have Dak uh, with uh, with Cooper and Schultz, and it's like Dak has thirty two, Cooper has twenty six, Schultz has eighteen, and Jerry Judy sitting there with four point nine points in the <laughs> snowflake, and I'm like, like these Broncos are the ones that killed me, and it. And it turns out it's the opposite. It turns out my the Bridgewater stacks were the best stacks that I had. Right, and so it's like, again, you 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 know the slate is over, and like it, it, it it's a random variable. You know the 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 results are are typically just variants. They certainly were. I mean, the Bills scoring six points on the Jaguars is 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 pretty wild. And again, the Chiefs being absolutely horrific on on offense. Um, you know those things. It just is what it is. But like, again, to the point of like, would you have changed anything? It's like, if I told you, right, the, the Broncos race out to a 20 to nothing lead on the Cowboys and you have, you have that game stacked up, right? Or you tell me that, that the, the Jaguars are competing with the Bills the whole game, right? Like the Jaguars have a chance to win it at the end of the game. Like, are you, are you happy with your, your, your Bills? And, and then you tell me Fuck Lamar yeah. and, and Marquise Brown's ownership. Yeah, and you go like, oh, so so. Which one are you going to do? Are you going to play? Are you going to play the chalk? The chalk of I mean, like the overwhelmingly chalk stack, 
and then try to get different elsewhere on a slate where it's hard to get different elsewhere because everyone's owned the same. Like, yeah. it, it, to me, the easiest thing was to do is just ignore the Baltimore game and just, like, like I, I'm, I'm running lineups afterwards. So I would go into, like, the historic projections and lineup HQ using the actual, you know, actual ownership versus the whatever. And I'm, like, I'm building lineups going, like, if I was building the same way I would normally build, which is a profitable way, long-term, I've been doing this for God knows how long. And it's like, no, if I put in the actual ownerships here, like there's, like Marquise Brown doesn't even sniff a line. I mean, just like, like the easiest way to eliminate project, to eliminate ownership and still have maintained projection was to not play Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown. Like, like, like I'm playing, I'm looking at lineups going like this lineup has 50 percentage points more ownership and is, and is lower projected. And I could find a hundred lineups that are higher projected than this lineup. Like what, like I, if I put in the actual ownership, I would have never, I, I just never get there. And I get, I actually, I get even more Chase Edmonds, right? So I get even more, yep. so like, like, so actually if I had the actual, I, I even though I only cashed one out of 24, my point scoring would have been even worse. I mean, cause I would have had <laughs> even more Chase Edmonds. I would have had even more uh, uh, Amari Cooper, I would have had a little bit less Hunter Renfro. Uh, yeah. I would have had much less uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, yeah. And I would have had uh, much more Booker and Gas. I would have had more Gaskin. Gaskin's yeah, ownership, his ownership went was down. surprising too. Right. Yeah, his his went surprising. down. So I just look at that and go, like, my process has been profitable. Right? So, like, like what, what, what am I going to do? I mean, it's one of those weeks that, I, like, I... I'm not sitting here understanding why I lost. I'm like, I just, I, I just lose these. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't playing 24 lineups. Now, it, could I have played out of my 24 lineups for Lamar Jackson lineups and gotten different elsewhere? I, I could have. I mean, from a diversification perspective, absolutely. But I'm not, when I'm playing small amount of lineups, I don't care about the, I'm not playing for diversification. I'm not playing 150 lineups. So diversification is not, not a priority. I'm putting in yeah. $2,500 worth of lineups and if I get zero back, that's just the way it is. Uh, so like Herbert was on the, Herbert was right on the end. Like her, I could have made Herbert line. I was going to make Herbert lineups before I made Lamar Jackson lineups. I uh, just played Keenan. I I, I, I I thought about the same thing, but then I, I, I opted just to play Keenan Allen as kind of my, you know, not, not Herbert exposure per se, but you know what I mean? Like right. I, I saw exactly the same thing and it was like, ah, I can just play Keenan instead and don't have to worry about like stacking up the game. I think um, I play, I think I played one, one Allen Goddard type of lineup, but yeah. of, of course I have Chase Edmonds in that lineup and I have, <laughs> and I have Josh Allen plus Beasley plus Sanders. I mean, like, like the, yes, the one, the one guy's good, but that that doesn't do anything. I mean, I mean, so I could look at that. So just, I just review, like, what would I have done different? Like, had I known, my lineups could have only gotten worse, right? Could have yeah, only scored right. worse. Yeah. Not They weren't worse. They just only would, would have scored worse. So, like, yep. like, what, to me, those types of slates, are, to me, to, I don't, there's nothing to learn. Like, there's nothing from, yeah. like, what, what is there, what, did, what, I don't understand what's there to learn out of those situations other than, other than lineups that had lower that had lower projections and higher ownership got there, and 
there were pl- there were plus EV lineups that you can make like that. It's just that they were lower EV than the lineups that I made, and I just I didn't I didn't make them. That's it. Right. It's it, it's we talk, and you know it's definitely again like you said a little bit different for me playing one to three teams versus even you playing your your like yeah, the you playing all number. three Chetty Bridgewater lineups seems like th- that seems even odd to me because I know you, you don't mind going you know all in, mm-hmm. but it's like why not? do whatever lineup you were doing and just play Dak and another, I mean, you're still playing the same game to play all three. I mean, I'm not, I'm not question. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a risk tolerance thing. Right. Right. It just, it just, it seems weird to me that, and that it's not like Bridgewater was owned. So it's like, if you, Dak Prescott wasn't owned, of course he was more expensive. So why not at least do like a a DAC version of the lineup that you have of Teddy Bridgewater? Obviously, you have to pay down at one spot in order to go up to Dak Prescott. So is there a reason behind that, or you're you're just like I think I think I think this stack this way is the 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 long term. If this played out ten thousand times, I'd make the most amount of money doing it these three ways, and diversification be damned. Yeah, it was. Uh, two, well, two, two things. Um, I do definitely have no issues really like taking a stand and going all in on something, right? Whether it's a stack or a, a secondary correlation or whatever, uh, I'm, I'm totally open. And a lot of times I like to do that um, if that's the thing I've determined to be kind of my, we talk about, right, like the, the cleanest path uh, to first or whatever. If that's the one thing I think that stands out to me as that. And it was just that game. So to your, to your exact point, I did look at like, Dak doubles and the, the Schultz Amari thing or including CD or whatever. And I just, it, it so it, it went from, I was not opposed to, to doing that at all by any means. I couldn't, it was, a, then it became a roster construction thing using the savings at what the savings down to Teddy and just using one of the Cowboys since the, the Broncos obviously having Alberto um, available to me, having Jerry Judy being a little bit cheaper um than than the Cowboys wide receivers having the like cheaper options available to me and that savings allowed me to get the secondary stuff that that I wanted um I like I said the the other guy I was really really high on was Booker Giants defense and so I was trying to prioritize as much of that as I as I could too I'm trying to even think of what my side yeah like Keenan out so I was living a little bit more like Keenan Allen range. Um, I played stuff on digs like you said so I was prioritizing kind of that tier. I actually played Aaron Jones uh, at running back on on a team, um, which I actually would do something with the Packers again. Same, same thing, especially with the Chiefs being a million percent owned. Um, I thought well, the, that the jo- Packers. Uh, Aaron Jones came in over owned also. Yeah, I know, and that that was that, that that's the thing that I was I was annoyed about, which is weird to me that the Chiefs can be that crazy. But I guess people are, and and maybe this is 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 something too that people are definitely like. We don't have the okay. This is the mega chalk defense, and so basically the the opposite side of that game is like not going to. It might be owned, but th- there's no way that it gets like any 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 sort of steam. But Aaron Jones did get a little bit. Well, I, uh, I think I think that- it was more due to the fact because people think like I think they think I don't want to call it wrongly because it's not wrong. It's just I think it's less optimal that people and they do this in all sports. Uh. Austin Eckler is going to be chalky. Who do I play instead of him at the same price range? And right. don't realize, and they don't realize that having a very similar projected lineup that is a four v four 
is much more valuable than a similarly projected lineup that's a 1v1 because you're just not sharing as many players. You could find a way to do this kind of flipping the construction type of thing. So what I think is that people built lineups and said, I'm playing Tyreek Hill, and instead of playing Eckler-Elliott, I'm going to play Aaron Jones instead because it's the same price running. It's a running back spot. They don't have a spot for Devontae Adams as the other side of the game because... Like they're only paying up for once at wide receiver, but they're already paying up at running back to either Kamara, Eckler, Elliott. So it's like, well, if I'm playing Tyreek Hill, who am I playing on the other side of the game? Same lineup, just instead of Eckler, Jones. Yep. Put in jo- like I, that. To me, that's the only way I see. I don't see Aaron Jones naked. You know, just just in the blue, <laughs> nothing like that. So yeah. like, I don't think the defense had anything to do with it. It's more of the fact that Eckler and Elliott were chalky and like well, they're going to be chalky. I'm going to play similar price guy and still have the same lineup and be a 1v1 to like 10% of the entire field. But you'd rather be a 4v4 to like 1% of the field with a similarly projected and owned lineup. So I just wanted to point that out. But I was still surprised that, but I'm I'm putting in the rationale on why Al, I had Aaron Jones at like projected at like 7% ownership. Right. Like, and he comes in, he comes in in the, in the power sweep at, 17 comes into the spy at 18 and I go really he's gas he's less more on than gas more on than some of the cheaper guys like like and then I look at this and I go who are the most owned wide uh running backs oh they're all uh it's Eckler Elliott Chubb Chubb yeah. uh Cook Jones Kamara and it's like <laughs> what was my strategy to pay down and running. I mean, so I look at this and I go like, had I known all this information, all I do is make this, all, my, all I do is make similar lineups than, than what I did and probably yep, score yep. lower. So like, like, and I take a look around the industry. I take a look at a lot of sharp players lineups and I'm like, Oh, their lineups look a lot like my lineup. And I like, so, so just, it's just one of those weeks. If you don't have Chubb and Connor and something, I mean, just, if you don't have those guys, and they're owned enough, even at like two to five percent owned. Like if you don't have Donovan Peoples Jones in your lineup. I mean, like, like I. But it's it's hard. But it's it, it's hard for me, Eric, to reconcile that because my natural inclination is to find what I could learn from this, right? Like the week before with Pittman, I was like, can someone tell me why this happened? Because I knew Pittman was vi- was was in that range. But did I miss something? So I'm going through stuff going, did I miss something? And I go through this week and I go, I don't, I didn't miss anything. Like there's nothing that I missed. So I'm, I'm trying to understand like, how could I've recreated what I take? Okay. Take the actual ownerships of whatever came in and the projections from anywhere I can possibly find. And how do I get, and what lineups do I come up with if I have 24 lineups? And, and it's it's all the same. It's the same line. Like, even if like, okay, I'm going to diversify and play Justin Herbert. Let's say I play Justin Herbert plus Keenan Allen plus Dallas Goddard. And then I plug in my lineups and I have Chase Edmonds. And I have, I mean, like it ends up being like, I, it ends up being like, I have Chase Edmonds, Stefan Diggs. Uh, uh, yeah, I have, I, I have, I have, I have, uh, Elliot in that lineup because I don't have Eckler in that lineup. And it's like, I look at this lineup, I go, well, this lineup scores 101 points. So like, what is it? Like, what did it matter? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. I got Herbert and Allen, right. But the rest of my lineup are snowflakes. And I go, cause this lineup would, would never get Marquise Brown in his ownership. It would never get Nick Chubb in his ownership. And I go like, 
Like, what what do I do? That, that's maybe this is why it's going to be a short episode this week. What what the hell can I learn from this? I mean, I just don't, I do I I don't know. I do think it, that's like uh, the the lesson that there is no lesson is like actually kind of something I feel that's fairly important. And it's funny that you bring it up because we were talking about this yesterday um, in the, the the Spike Week Discord because like you know so for best ball for NFL we're starting to get uh, you know deeper into the season, right? People are talking about like, okay, what can we learn? How do I know if my teams are good? Like, how do I know if I drafted well? And like, sh- sure, there are things that, that, that you can learn and, and, and maybe look back on and see if you've made mistakes. But we're, like, like we're talking about here, like from a, like once the cards were flipped over before the results came in, would you, right? Would you, would you change anything or whatever? And sometimes, right, they're just, like it, it, this, this is DFS. It's been around for a long time. And sometimes you just have to be like, yep. You know, there isn't like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, there's nothing to learn. Right. Like it was like the Mike Williams thing. People are like, Oh shit. You know, a month ago, I, I, what a mistake not drafting Mike Williams in the seventh round of my fantasy draft. Well, how about, how about like, DJ, oh, what a DJ mistake. Moore, right? The first four yeah. weeks of the season is like Sam Darnold's good. And DJ Moore is <laughs> might you might as well just say he's Devonte Adams now. And now it's like he's 6,400 <laughs> and no one takes him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except exactly. for me, exactly. I play him in three lineups right. and he does nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, even it's an injury, but like Derek Henry, everybody, everybody has, has claimed victory in week seven, you know, week seven of the season. We have like, oh my God, imagine those fish was fish fading derrick henry you know and it's like the dfs thing people have been you're fading derrick henry oh he's built different right remember he derrick henry is just different he doesn't get hurt he breaks 70 yard touchdown runs every single week and then voila guess what you don't want derrick henry anymore right and like people want to have a lesson learned from from everything and that's like inherently that's pretty much a good thing but being able to like it's and so i think it's much easier for like nba right it's like because Slate's over at you know midnight my time, like one a.m. your time, and the next morning you wake up and like there's another, you know there's there's another slate, and that afternoon you're making teams again for a brand new slate, and it's like, you know you, you're there's only so much time to even like really think super super deeply about like what lessons can be learned. But football is like, well, we got a whole week, you know, to learn these these new things, and then like I said from this like best ball and season long perspective these people are are freaking out at, like uh, every single touchdown of of the entire season it's like oh my god you know i didn't draft so and so what a mistake that was and and they just people just want to have like something to learn or have like conviction about about you know what was the right basically what was the right thing and what was the wrong thing and like it, it's it's so often so so results based that people want to like learn something and it's like sometimes exactly like what you just said is like that slate happened it came and it went and i wouldn't change anything that i did even though i lost and we just move on you know you move on to the, you move on right, to the, the dog next moves week. on and the dogs are the dogs are done with that 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 slate i was i was fucking done with that slate very those games it, it could not have been a worse possible slate at least if the games were entertaining or something the games were horrible. Been like uh, the games oh were awful oh that was the worst that was the worst slate of games I've ever like. I, I like it was like the afternoon games. Normally it'd be like I'll still watch even when I'm just dust, just because it's like that's what I do on football Sundays. And like I was like channel surfing, and I'm like I'm like Patrick Mahomes has thrown 25 times and has 80 passing yards. 
Josh Allen scored six fucking points against the Josh <laughs> Allen is getting picked off and sacked by the other <laughs> Josh Allen in the middle. Of the- that was more entertaining than anything else. Scott Hansen going nuts. Over that's like well, if Josh, it's 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 already it's already the fourth quarter. Let him let him have a fumble recovery also at this point. Like who cares? Who cares? He's that Josh, my Josh Allen teams are dead. They ain't getting there, right? So like it, it, you're right. It's like it's 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 a it it was an awful slate just even to watch all around. But I mean, yep. yeah. But the difference between like process and results, like. For instance, like uh, like Adam shit my money, like tweeted out like you know like at like pretty much at one o'clock or whatever. Like yeah, why the Hollywood the, thing. Yeah, about like why the fuck is why the fuck is Marcus Brown this? Why why is he thirty six percent like what what like like every I mean anyone I talk to is like like what made him that much? It it, it and the the problem is, is like he got a lot of responses back of like well he was a good play like that but that's not the point that's being made. It's like. Yeah. What makes him twice as good of a play as all these other guys? I mean, like that. It's it's not a matter of it, if he's a slightly better play, he should be slightly more owned. If right. he's a, a million, a much better play, he should be much more. I mean, it's it's that dichotomy of the ownership. It's not like, well, what did people see in Marquise Brown? That's we're not asking that question. Like, yeah. there's not if you would have said, regardless of ownership, uh, who who's the best quarterback play, play projected play? On the slate, Lamar Jackson said, yep. if you play Lamar Jackson, who's the best projected player to play him with? Marquise Brown. Okay, that's correct. But we're not playing in a vacuum. We're playing an 11-game slate. There's 21 other teams. So, like, if Lamar Jackson is 95% owned and Marquise Brown is 80% owned, like, do they justify that ownership? Would Would you be more profitable not playing them or playing them? And the answer is not playing them. So, like, it's mm-hmm. not a matter of, like, is that a good play? Because I know we'll get YouTube comments. It's like, well, Marcus Brown was a good... Same thing with Michael Pittman. Same goddamn thing. This is why he was a good play. You don't have to tell me why he's a good, why he's a good play. I know why he's a good play. I don't understand why he's twice as good of a play as all these other guys in the same range. That, that's that's what made what made him. So I'm my conjecture is that because Lamar was high on that, that, and people playing yep. a cheap tight end and not Mark Andrews. They're plugging in Marquise Brown to go with Lamar Jackson, which makes sense. Which makes, if that's the case, that's the case. But with the cards flipped over, I go like, you can't, you can't objectively, Eric, you can't objectively tell me that as a one-off, Marquise Brown to thirty six percent own is like positive expected value, just in a vacuum, no. right? No. So, no. so, so whether or not he gets there doesn't like that's not what I'm trying to learn. Yeah, right. Just like when you say in the best ball stuff. If you if if you think learning, oh, what could I have done better, is to draft the nine highest point guys. If I would have just drafted this guy in round one or that guy in round two and this guy in round three, it's like, dude, no one could do that. It's the same thing in when we play MLB DFS. Especially, I'm using MLB as the perfect example of like, uh, you don't learn by saying, well, if I would have picked out the eight guys that hit a home run today. I would have I I would have won. So I need to learn how to pick those eight guys. Like, no, there's no way yep. to pick. No, it's better to say I'm going to pick five guys from one team and three guys from another team and hope those are the two highest scoring teams and having the right pitchers in there. And then is this team, is this five-man stack too owned or over-owned? And you think of those types of terms. But if you're going yep. in, going, if, if I just would have played, if I just would have played uh, Chris Taylor at second base, and if I just would have played Paul DeJong at shortstop, 
even though he's batting eighth against Max Scherzer and he happened to hit two <laughs> home runs. Like, like you're, you're never, you can't learn. There's nothing to, there's literally nothing to learn there because it's eight independent events that have so much variance in it that yes, if you can pick out the eight double, the two home, the guys that hit two home runs in one game on a 14 game slate and there's eight of them and you got all eight, like, Yes, that that would be the optimal lineup. But our goal is not to hit the optimal lineup. Our goal is to just have the best lineup in comparison to our opponents. So, so going through th- this slate and going like I'm going to go to lineup HQ and look at the 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 best possible lineup and see like four sub one percent on players in it and go how do I get there? Like that's we're not we're that's not the way that's not learning. Learning right. learning is had I known all this information. What lineups would I've made? And if the lineups don't are, are are if the lineups would have been better, then you have to learn of like how how did I not execute my strategy correctly? Right? Because had I known was what I knew, and it still didn't come out cor- correctly. And then had I known right. something different, that's why I said it. Like with these ownerships in in, uh, in NFL, had I known my lineups would the results of my lineups would have actually been worse. So like yeah. I I I learned, right? I I learned something, but it didn't result it wouldn't have resulted in any better results. It actually would have resulted in better lineups that just their results would have been worse. So I I mean I think people that listen to the show like like understand that concept, but like that's I just want I don't want to get YouTube comments of like, well this is why Marquis Brown was a good play. Like I you don't have to tell me objectively from a football perspective, why he's a good play and why if you have Lamar Jackson in your lineup, that's who you put it. I mean, you don't have to tell me that just that that ownership. I, I, I don't believe those lineups had as high of an expected value as, as thousands of other lineups you could have made. Yeah. And I, I so there's there are two, two quick things to add. Um, Cause I know we have to wrap up fairly quickly and it is um, I thought it was fascinating that, that that the uh, like you talked about with the ownership with Lamar and Hollywood, but then we also touched on the Albert O thing. I I, I was worried about the Albert O thing getting away from us um, this week, and his own people were willing to move away from Albert O. This particular, I mean, he was still very popular, right? I'm not I'm not saying he wasn't popular, but people were willing to move away from this. Like I I, I projected Albert O better than Dan Arnold a couple of of, of weeks ago. And obviously I had, you know, like correlations and stuff involved in, in some of my lineups too, that made that more beneficial. But like, I thought it was interesting that people were willing to move away from Albert O a little bit more than I expected, but not from Lamar because of how, like you, I think, again, you outlined it really well. It was just like such a clean stack. Like you're playing Lamar and you're spending down at tight end, whether you're playing Albert O or not, people want to spend down at tight end, right? And so you you pay down a tight end because I don't want to pay 5,500 for Mark Andrews. So like, well, who am I going to, well, there's Marquise Brown. And it's like Marquise Brown is sexy to click on in tournaments, right? He's also getting all this volume and blah, 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 blah. So there's all these, you know, I guess narrative-based reasons. That that structure was just so easy. It just, it was such an easy click. And then all these other stacks, like you mentioned, it wasn't easy. Like even like the Herbert thing, it's like, Keenan or Mike Williams, right? Or uh, do I play Jared Cook or like Jalen Hurts? Am I playing Goddard or am I playing Devonta Smith? And then, right, obviously you have, you know, who the hell knows what's going on with the Packers and the and the and the, and the Chiefs and then the the Bills and the Cowboys and right. So all the other spots were 
much trickier to, to kind of figure it out. And, and so the thing that I will say, I guess, um, as we've talked this through that I would say that I kind of like learn is, is, is exactly that we know that like wide receiver ownership will follow. Um, and, and the, the opposite is also true sometimes, right? The quarterback ownership might follow, right? Which kind of happened with Wentz a little bit. Um, Wentz wasn't necessarily like a total standout uh, punt quarterback that one week, but that game was popular. Uh, Pittman was the chalkiest wide receiver. So I was like, okay, I'll just use Wentz as my chief quarterback. Now this week, Lamar is the standout play. That stack makes perfect sense. So Hollywood's ownership gets steamed through the absolute roof because of kind of this, the, the right, the, the correlated ownerships. And then you get Jefferson also on the other side, his ownership get gets steamed. And so it's something that I, we've talked about plenty. I inherently know, I, I talked about it on Sunday morning with, with, with Gretch, you know, I'm like, I'm really worried about that ownership getting steamed out of control because of the correlated ownership type stuff. And it's like, I know that, but I want to, I, I want that. That's something I, especially as you know, the season wraps up, it's, it's a lot of the sharper players, you know, you mentioned it mostly in regards to cash games, but I think it'll be true just across the entire industry that, you know, the, the really bad players and the fish, the bankroll dries up or they just keep losing and they don't want to keep playing. Um, and so people are correlating, people are stacking, people are making the same, you know, the same uh, sneaky GPP plays every, every single week. Um, and I just want to make sure that I keep that in mind like it's something that like i knew and i acted on it we both did we both faded full full faded that stack in that game but to the extent that it happened was still pretty sh- right I mean, it was the i think i think we're talking more about the extent not that it like i yeah. expected that to be the chalk yeah i, I i'm not i'm yes. not surprised oh my god why why is lamar to marcus if lamar was in the spy for instance if lamar was uh was 20 percent owned and Marquise Brown was 22% owned, I'd be like, okay, and they're the highest owned that they're, and I go, that's uh, a little bit higher than I thought, but it's fine. But when Lamar Jackson is 29% owned and Marquise Brown is 36% owned, which means people play Marquise Brown as one-offs also, right? Yeah, which is even, that that's like maybe even wilder. Like, and cause you know, not every Lamar, how many of those are Marquise Brown one-offs? Cause not every Lamar team has, has Hollywood. I mean, a lot of them, obviously. But, like, that's a lot of Marquise Brown one-offs. <laughs> well, I think it's due to the same thing that I said before about Aaron Jones. People look at their lineup. They build their lineup without Lamar. And they go, I'm going to play uh, whatever, whatever quarterback and, you know, exact that they have. And they go, okay, do I I need a 5K level receiver. Do I play Amari Cooper? Do I play Brandon Cooks? Uh, no, they're both going to be too chalky. Let me just play Marquise Brown because... And they think they're playing Marquise Brown because he's going to be less owned because he's not in double up lineups, right? And then it turns out Marquise right. Brown is the that's. But you have to think of these. Dyna- I mean, we've been we've been talking, Eric, about the the next level thinking since we've started this podcast. Yep. Right. And I think this is the, this is this is the type of stuff. Now it's not. This is the the next step of the DFS evolution of. Everyone could see what we could see. So they're reacting in a way of like, well, if Marquise Brown is only going to be 14% owned and Higgins and, and Cooper are going to be 20% owned, why don't I play Marquise Brown? And then it turns out Marquise Brown ends up being the chalk. But you see that, but you're seeing that more and more. It's not just infecting. I'm not, they use the word infecting. It's not infecting <laughs> the small, like the game changer. 
Like it's yeah. it's it's doing the power sweep. It's doing the spy. It's doing you know it's it's branching down that yeah. Which you have which, to take- which to your it, that didn't happen. Like when you said yeah, we've talked about this for a while. It, a lot of the times was a conversation where you were like, I'm maxing the slants or whatever, and it's not happening as much here. Or right. uh, you know, I'm maxing whatever, and and it, we would be like. Look at the ownership of this guy. Look at the ownership of Hollywood and the game changer and look at the ownership of Hollywood and this. You're like, we would say this all the time, right? He's a good, like this is a, a plus EV play in this contest, but it is not in, in this in this other contest. We would have that conversation a lot. And now, like you said, it, it's, it's not the same, but it, it's getting a lot closer. Like, I mean, 30 whatever percent in the milli is that that's that's crazy that that, that's crazy so it is it is um kind of across a lot more contests so that's like the next level of this next level thing is this thing is evolving too well but that but i think that the best thing to learn that conceptually from that is that like and i've talked about it before about like fading games because of like you put put correlated ownership is that a better way to put it is that that the more the field is willing to either correlate or find salary and positional leverage, the more that those 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 second and third plays in those ranges end up getting more owned. Right? 100%. Right. So like if everyone's gonna play Lamar, they're gonna start like thinking of those terms. So you made mathematically to, uh uh to wrap things up, uh most around the industry have projections based around a rational market, but we don't live in a rational market. So that's what mm-hmm. that's like. So some people have asked me, it's like, well, you can get ownership. You, you subscribe everywhere. You get ownership projections everywhere. So why don't you just aggregate those ownerships? And that's what you use. Instead of what I do is I manually change them. I do aggregate, but then I go and I go, nope, this guy's going to be 5% higher. Nope. This guy's going to be lower. People are going to pay up here and they're not going to pay down there. And I, I spend the time to do that before I build lineups. Uh, yeah. And they go, well, why do you do that? Like, but, and I have no scientific process. Like, there's no way for me to back test what I'm doing, right? It's right. completely based on feel. But uh, the player projections, I don't use based on feel because I, I don't know the NFL well. Like, I'm never going to know the NFL well enough than, than a model can. But I know how models put out do ownership. And I human beings are way less predictable. Or, and to me... They're they're way more irrational than what I mean. We see this yes. in economics, right? Because there's all these economic studies that are like, well, if we raise prices here and do this, and then everything because they were all happy. Everyone knows there's no hunger in the world, right? It's world peace, <laughs> and it's like people don't act that way. Like this, that's a that's a rational market. Like ownership is an irrational market. So like all the all the recency, but like I I, I look and I go like Boston Scott is two percent owned. Should I play him? Like, no, because he's going to be 6% owned. They go, but how is he going to be 6% owned at this projection? It's like, because they had a good week last week. Like, like that's all it needs to take, right? I just look at this stuff and I go, you know, Marquise Brown uh, is being projected for 18. I'm going to bump him up to 22. Like, because I know he's going to be paired more often. Is Hunter Hunter Renfro sexy? Well, with the rugs thing happening, I think his ownership gets a little bit inflated. I originally had him at 16 and I bumped him up to 20. Brandon Cooks threw me for a loop because a lot of people have not been wanting to play him. So I right. saw Brandon Cooks' ownership come in, uh, 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 projected at like 16. I'm like, I think he's going to be more like 12 because people don't want to play. Then it turns out they do want to play. But like, that's why simply, like, I have no problem changing the ownership. And if you're good at that, 
Like to me that that to me that's my little secret sauce edge. And that and that's yeah. and that's one of the main reasons why me trying to learn is more about let me compare my ownership to actual and go, would I have done anything differently? And it's like, no, I yeah. right, I know I like, dude, like Cortland Sutton was four percent owned and I thought he was six percent owned, and I had him in half my lineups. So it's like, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm there's, there's there's nothing I do. Land, I thought maybe I had a little bit too much Landry. I had Landry in my ownership at like eighteen percent, and he came in at like fourteen. So it's like, what what would have happened? I had more land. I mean, like <laughs> these lineups would have been ended up being less points. So it's like this, <laughs> this. So to me, but thinking in those terms, that's to me that's what we're talking about. That's what that level. We're not, it's not good players, good, good players leveling each other in a 40-person field tournament type of thing like we were talking about before. It's a, yeah. it's a people, it's almost people playing the game better from a construction standpoint. And that, how, how does that affect ownership? Right, which turns, which, which the, the, we didn't always have people right constructing properly correlated teams and thinking through not just correlation but leverage and um, ownership and all that kind of stuff and projection blah 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 upside ceilings. Uh, we didn't always have people thinking through all pulling all those levers in their teams, and so now that we do, that's people are making better quote unquote better teams that turn into worse teams because it's a peer to peer, right? We're living in this market, we're playing against other humans. So not everything is about all the levers that used to be things that we could gain an edge. It's it's about what our opponent, what our, our, our opponents are doing. Um, and yeah, again, just to wrap up, I was gonna say, you mentioned um, like the, the, the correlated ownership thing and the, you know, this was like the shining example of it for sure. Um, we'll get into the, as the season goes on more, more NBA stuff, but I think it's particularly interesting in, in NBA um, because of slates like last night where we get like the Sixers with freaking everybody out, right? No Embiid, no Tobias Harris, no Ben Simmons, no Batiste Thibel, but like outside of Drummond, who is basically, you know, just a lock, it's like, who, uh, I mean, you can, you can project those guys how you want, but like, who's the best play like it's a crapshoot flip a coin who knows it, maybe it's maxi game maybe it's shake game maybe it's danny green maybe it's Seth curry maybe it's george niang right who i don't know you 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 tell me and so but people see they, they all look good they all project fine but not amazing and so that's what like for me like i just faded it i'm just like i'm just playing drummond and like let the let my opponents make the mistakes. Like I didn't end up getting Tyrese Maxey, who had, who was the one who had the had the good game, but like I didn't have everybody else, and like my opponents had all those guys, right? So it's like I, I can survive Tyrese Maxey scoring forty fantasy points, but I can't survive forcing in George Niang and him scoring eighteen or whatever. And so I just know all the ownership is going to pile onto that situation, just like we knew all the ownership was going to pile onto this Ravens game. And it's like, look. I know, like, if I really truly want to, like, again, to your point of, if I want to retroactively go back and be like, I need to pick the best plays, I probably knew I needed one of those Sixers, right? You probably needed Tyrese Maxey. But it's like, how the fuck are you, how do you pick that, right? I, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm trying to win first place in this contest. So the easiest way for me to get there is to just be like, 
Lamar, Hollywood, Jefferson, Dalvin, Thielen, Andrews, Sia, X. Not worrying about you, right? Same thing. Niang, Maxi, whatever. One of you guys are going to do well, but like, I don't care. I'm just going to X you out and we'll, 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 you know, kick the, especially in NBA, then, you know, you get the late swap possibilities and all that different kinds of stuff, guys sitting out. Uh, so I think it's it's going to be a particularly interesting conversation around this and how it evolves uh, with with NBA, you know, kind of really getting going now. Right. So uh, if, if you have any comments, obviously you can put them in the, the YouTube chat or uh, send them in. If you have any questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. Eric Beinfor is on Twitter and at, at spikeweek.com if you want to play some uh, some best ball stuff. And uh, you could always find me at BlenderHD on Twitter and, uh, and, and, and getting the... Uh, the masterclass, right? The 15-hour DFS masterclass, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, at theoryofdfs.com.